So I have started to do audiobooks a little bit more so that when I have a long drive or when I'm at the gym or whatever it is, I have the ability, instead of me watching reruns on Netflix or whatever, which is also easy for me to do, I've been listening to books much more so. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. How many people put down read more books as one of their goals and fail to read all but maybe two of those before the year ends? If you've ever had read more books on your list of things that you want to do, want to accomplish within a given year, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. And, you know, quite frankly, we all, we all know that reading is important for many different reasons. It's important for our minds. uh, It's important for our life's potential. There's a huge amount of studies out there linking everything from reading more fiction or more frequent fiction on a more frequent basis to your Uh, increases in empathy and emotional intelligence, all the way to some studies that link potential income, right? But here's the thing. Often, sitting down to actually do this, sitting down to actually read gets moved to the bottom of our to-do list almost every single time, right? And we know that it can be relaxing. We know it can provide those moments of refuge from our busy schedules, but it also takes a ton of mental energy and even bandwidth. But here's the thing. What if I what if I told you that there are ways to do this? There are ways to make it much easier. There are ways to be able to make reading fit seamlessly into your life without tons and tons of extra effort. And that's exactly what we get to cover in today's episode. How to make it easy to read maybe even two or more books a month and still get everything else done. And by the way, I have with me the perfect person to be able to help with that. None other than HTYC career coach, Kelly Polson. How are you, Kelly? I'm doing very well, Scott. Excited to have the conversation today. So here's a little bit of backstory. First of all, if you want all of Kelly's backstory and how she has created work that she loves within her own life and you know how she came about uh, working with us on the HTYC team and everything else, then you can actually go back into the archives and listen to her episode. Uh, however, the reason I wanted to chat with Kelly about this is it seems like inevitably every single time or close, maybe not every single time, but close to every time that you and I talk, books come up someplace, someplace along the line. Is that fair to say? I would agree with that. Yeah. She's nodding vigorously along with it. You can't see it, but uh, <laughs> emphatic yes. Plus, we have we've learned that. Well, I don't know. We've exchanged book lists and all kinds of things. I have I have added immensely to my book, my personal book list, based on conversations that you and I have had. It's like, oh my goodness, I have to read that one. So this is this is an ongoing thing. And both of us wanted to be able to help you if you have this as a goal for either this year or any upcoming year, how to make this actually possible for you. And, and, but wait, there's, there's more. Make some recommendations on what are some of the top books for your career, as well as some of our personal top books overall, and maybe even what's, uh, what's on our personal reading lists. 
let's dive into this. Here's a question for you, Kelly. I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but have you ever set goals around reading in any capacity for yourself before? I don't know that I had until maybe a couple of years ago, but has that ever been a thing for you? I don't think I have. No. Which is weird because I've set them probably around every other aspect yeah, of the world. That's what I was wondering because we've had many other conversations about goals in all kinds of other areas. And I think that um, although not everybody has done this, uh, I think it's it becomes a thing. It becomes a New Year's resolution-y sort of thing where mm-hmm. people are like, ah, oh, you know what? I just want to read more, but we haven't made it a priority. So I did for the first time do that. And this was two years ago. This was in 2017, I believe. Uh, probably the first time I've ever set any kind of reading goals whatsoever. And decided I wanted to read 24 books in in a year, right? Which sounded massive to me at the time because although reading had been a big thing for my life, I spent several years growing this business and decided that you know I I wasn't going to read as much, quite frankly, during during that time. And I knew that I'd have to think about how to how to go from reading like two or three books a year, making a massive adjustment to reading 24 books in one year. Because um, it used to be, I don't know how it was for you growing up, but I used to read like sometimes a book every couple of days or sometimes even a book a day when I was a kid. What was it, what was it like for you? Where did, where did reading start for you, Kelly? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I remember. I remember I used to devour books all summer. Yeah. So whether that was trying to avoid being out in heat or or whatever, um, I remember, and it's not uncommon now, even when I go on a vacation to polish off five or something like that. And so yeah. I guess that's just a part of when I'm off, I guess, is when I'm reading the most. When you're away from the rest of, I don't know, normal life, normal schedule. Right. Whatever that means. Yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally agreed. So one of the things I think that I want to make sure that we're covering today is one, how you're integrating reading into your life, because I think you and I both do it in different ways or have done it in different ways for sure. Just like you pointed out that, hey, where you're finding that you are reading the most or have the maybe even have the ability to read the most is when you are away from whatever the normalcy is. I went from one extreme to the other and went from reading virtually no books after getting used to reading tons of books to flipping the switch and going backwards. So this past year, let's see, 2018, I think I read right around 50 books or so, which may or may not sound like a big number. I have no concept. It was big for me going from nearly zero to 24 to to 50, but curious, how frequently do you go through books? Yeah. Well, like I said, I can always tell on a vacation, right? Because I'm one of those people I might actually friends joke. I always have a Kindle loaded, another book and maybe another third option on my person at any time. Usually I feel very Rory Gilmore in that if you are Gilmore girls, but I know on vacation for sure. It's not like I will say, all right, if I'm going for X amount of days, I have to double the amount that I think I'll read because it'll be so infuriating if I don't have enough for a while I'm away. The rest of the time, it, it can really vary. I mean, it depends on how into a certain book I am or how busy you know the business is. Or um, I also have a difference between when I'm listening to books versus reading. There's a different experience there in terms of how many simultaneously. So I used to be one of those people that wouldn't start a new one until I finished the one previously. And I realized that that doesn't serve me any longer. You know, that's actually a great point 
an incredibly great point. And I just want to repeat what, um, what you'd said, because I, I think people might miss that. So the number one thing is just making sure that they're available, making sure that if for you, it sounds like you need the book and then you need the on deck book, and then you need the, whatever comes behind the on deck book. And Mm -hmm. then, and then even some more after that, to make sure that uh, you've got the, got the job done and that they're there, they're available and you don't run out for all intents and purposes. And Mm -hmm. that sounds like such a small thing, but I found that that's actually really, really important when I have small pockets of time to read in one way, shape or form. And we'll talk about where to find those pockets here in just a little bit. If I don't have that, I'll have a tendency to do something else where I could have chosen to be able to read and whatever it might be. You know, speaking of those small pockets, one of the one of the biggest hacks that I've found, especially if you're listening to this right now, I'm guessing that if you're listening to a podcast, you probably enjoy uh, consuming information or content or entertainment or whatever it, you know your category of choice is through audio means. And that's that's actually one of the biggest hacks that I've found personally. I used to read everything in a physical book and I actually still really love reading physical books, but found that after I had kids and uh, I don't know, started, started a business and started traveling and blah, 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 it became more difficult to do that. And instead found that I can load up my, I get, you know, go to audible.com and load up my iPhone with tons of books and then do just like you're talking about where I've got the book and then I've got the on deck book and then I've got the book behind the on deck book as well. So I'm curious about that for you. Do you mostly read, um, do you mostly read physical books or what, what works for you? What do you prefer? Mostly though, you know, as you mentioned, when life changes, I noticed that I was reading less the first year out when I left my full-time job where I was in-house and taking a train every day. Yeah. So I have started to do uh, audiobooks a little bit more so that when I have a long drive or when I'm at the gym or whatever it is, I have the ability, instead of me watching reruns on Netflix or whatever, which is also easy for me to do, Yeah. I've been listening to books much more so. So I'm glad that I tried it because I think I tried it years ago and didn't like the initial, whoever the voiceover was. Oh, didn't geez, care yeah. for it <laughs> and then walked away. And I'm glad I came back because it certainly made a difference in my ability to learn. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We've, I think you and I have had that conversation before, not, not in a recorded fashion where narrator, especially for fiction books can make such a difference in some ways. Absolutely. I found, you know, just looking at that as a profession, like voiceover artists, some of the, some of the ones that do such an amazing job are actually really in demand and really incredibly well paid Mm -hmm. too. It just makes such a difference for the book. Like if you go, if you start out listening to Harry Potter as an example, and that's your standard, uh, that's kind of very, very top. So if you go and you listen to you know, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter, then they've done a really nice job. And then you try and go and listen to some other type of fiction book and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is like I, I thought this was what all the books yeah. were going to be like. And it's yeah. So maybe don't start there if uh, you have listened. My to- suggestion is if the author read it themselves, I typically like that, especially when it's someone's life story. Obviously, yeah. it's much more compelling coming from them. That was yeah. probably my most successful audible kickoff was when that was the case. That's a really great point. I actually really love that too. If you are just starting to get into listening to books on audio and you want to pursue this as a hack for your for your life, I think it could be a great hack. 
uh, because you can just pull out your iPhone and you know on the way to on the way to work or on the train or wherever you happen to be, listen for fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. But make sure that if you're apprehensive about it, maybe start with those author read, read books or something else along those lines. I don't know if you do this because I don't think uh, we've had this part of the conversation before. But do you speed up your your listening times? I didn't until I was halfway through something actually recently. Yeah. And it was taking so long. And I think I skim a lot so I can get through things quickly. And I thought, like, how in the world am I still listening to this? Love the book. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But so then I played around with it because I think you do need to have gradual. Because I think at first I went too fast and the person sounds like a chipmunk and that's not your intent. You know, if you really want to learn, you don't want them to speed through it. So I played around a little bit with the pace and I have started to do that more regularly. Very cool. So the backstory here, if you haven't used an audio player to listen to books before, most of them allow you to choose to listen to it on different speeds. So you can listen to it on normal speed, which would be 1x, or you know 1.5x, which would be one and a half speed, or 2x, and some even go up to 3x. Um, the ones like Audible, as an example, the voice will still sound similar. It'll just, mm-hmm. so it won't sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks necessarily, but <laughs> it will um, it will speed up the uh, the voice overall. And if you want to pursue this, this is probably the one thing, one of the biggest things that allowed me to read 50-ish books this uh, this past year instead of 24 is getting very used to listening to it on 2x or even 2.25 speed. And it, to your point, Kelly, it takes a little bit of working up and finding your own preferences because just listening to the book and just accomplishing, you know, reading the book is not necessarily going to be that useful for most people. Most people want the entertainment or education or what you're going to get out of the book along with it. So what I would recommend if you've never done that before is start out on 1.5 or even 1.25, something that's less than 2x speed. But if you stop and think about it, if you can consume a book in 2x speed, then that's exactly half the time. So it literally takes less time to be able to go through a book. And at this point, I listen to about at least a book a week is what I found on on 2x speed and can get through most of them really, really fast. But it I wasn't able to internalize the content uh, until I gradually worked up to that 2x speed. I had trouble doing that. And it sounds like you've had your own preferences on that too. Yeah. 2X is intimidating. I'm not there yet, but now I have a new goal. (laughs) Now you have a reading goal, right? Yeah. First ever reading goal. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's another thing that is really incredibly useful. That sounds counterintuitive as well is I found, and you can tell me your thoughts on this too, because everybody's a little bit different, but for the most part, when you've got stake in the game or when you've got a vested interest, then you've got a higher chance of following through if you have a particular goal. And right now we're talking about reading. So one way to create stake in the game for myself was buying an Audible membership or buying, you know, buying the books outright so that I felt like I had something invested into it. And that was really, really incredibly helpful. Yeah. I don't have an audible membership. Hopefully they're not upset with me for that, but the accountability (laughs) piece, I get you right. Like that's the financial investment. 
similar idea to even book clubs, even though I know they're very old school. If I commit to a book club, I'm the kind of person that I can't just show up with a bottle of wine and pretend (laughs) like I read it. Like I will read every last page because that's the commitment that I made. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's going to be different for every individual person. And typically for things like this, you've got uh, four different categories that people fall into with where you feel accountability. By the way, great resource on that. Go back to our episode with Gretchen Rubin, where we talk about the four tendencies. And there's lots of data and studies and research on this, but Gretchen defines it so well into those different four categories for what motivates you or what causes you to feel accountable based on where you place importance on expectations. But Otherwise, though, you know, evaluate what's going to work for yourself. It's it's going to work for you to join the book club. If it's going to work for you to make your habit cost money in one way or another, then by all means do it. And if you're unsure, then experiment with a couple of things. Another thing that has um, going back and combining it together with the availability and then also making the habit cost money that's worked really well for me is being able to, as soon as I hear about a book, just buy it. That has been something that has worked incredibly well for me. What I used to do is I used to keep a big, long list on Evernote, and then maybe I'd go back to the list. It'd get really complicated. I'd prioritize it. And now at this point, um, particularly if I don't always do this for fiction books, but I definitely do it for um, nonfiction books. Uh, If I hear about it and I want to read it, I just buy it. And then there it's waiting for me in my audio queue so that it's always available. Plus I have the extra incentive for me that I've spent money on it. So I'm going to, I'm going to find the time, make the time to listen to it. How how do you think about that? Or what else do you do in order to feed your habit of reading? And I would say you're in a, in a different stage compared to what some people might be. Some people are like trying to figure out how to read more. In your case, it's more of a lifelong habit in a lot of ways. And how do you continue to feed that habit? Well, it sounds like I'm old school Scott version. I have an Amazon list that's incredibly long, but I don't buy them when it happens. It just, you know, and then I also have a few tools, one of which is relatively new and I cannot remember the name of it. So hopefully I will, and we can add it later. But um, basically it checks for availability on Hoopla, which is where I get library books through Uh. my local library. So it'll tell me if something's in my Amazon and I'm about to buy it, if it's available for e-read there, it's just an extension that I added. So then it tells me whenever it's available. And that was in the last, it was probably a January reading related thing and has made a huge difference because a lot of what I would have purchased exists out there in the library. And I just didn't, wouldn't have thought of it. And that's such a great point too. And yeah, if, so that's an extension that works with Hoopla. Is that what I just heard you say? Well, it does for me, but I think it works with most library systems. Ah. Um, That happens to be the one that's connected to my library. Cool. So by the way, for everything that we've talked about and then links to, you know, links to all of the resources that we're talking about, you can go to happen to your career.com slash two seven one. Cause this is episode 271 and everything that we're talking about will be right there in a nice, easy to read format, but hoopla overdrive. There's several others as well that are very, very useful too. Let's say that you are not in a position where you want to or or can spend the money, or maybe that isn't that helpful for you, um, but still want to pursue this as a goal, then both of those are pretty amazing options. I found that most libraries 
have <laughs> all of the books, not maybe not all of them, but a good portion of anything that I want to read, whether it's even if it's more obscure, they might still have one copy available. Mm. More than you realize. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely utilize those two. And we find that, especially for fiction books, we check a lot of those out from the library. So we have like way too many on uh, on our Audible account that are nonfiction. And then we we have a tendency to listen to um, on car trips. When we go as a family, we listen to whatever book it is that you know, we're excited about or that the family has mentioned. And a lot of times we're using overdrive, which connects up to our local library. So yeah, great, 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 great suggestion. See if you can find that Google extension, by the way. I'm sure I will. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll link that up and make sure that you have that there too. That way you can find out what might be at your library as well. Here are quick recap of what we've covered to make it easier as well. So having those books on deck, making sure that they're available Instead, if you're finding trouble actually like sitting down with the physical book or anything else along those lines, try listening to books instead and you know, using something like an Audible account, um, finding what's going to work for you and potentially even making your habit cost, cost money or finding a way to make it more accountable for yourself if you've got this as a goal. And then um, even if it doesn't cost money, being able to use, uh, especially for that availability, using things like Hoopla or like Overdrive or like other pieces of technology that can connect you to the books in one way or another, whether it's free through your library and all you have to have is a library card or whether it is something like Audible. Okay, so we've got all of those pieces. Here's what I'm curious about, though. I'm curious about what you have encountered over the over over the years, Kelly, mm. that you would recommend for some of your top career books. I've got my own list here. We'll talk about that in a minute here, but I'm super curious about what have you found to be most useful for yourself or other people for your career? Sure. So one is a very recent, and I wonder how people will receive it as a career book. So I recently finished Michelle Obama's Becoming. And that I thought when I think about the people that we work with regularly and the process that they use and how they come to fruition in terms of what, how they find what they're most interested in and build that network and meet people. She did that in her book, in my opinion. Cool. So it's her whole life, but you get to see how that worked for someone that's so high profile um, and with, you know, the background that she has. So I just think it was for me reading it, thinking like, oh, my clients do all of these things or it was, that was just really cool to see in someone who we all know of and how it worked effectively for her. Awesome. I have not read that. I recommend it. Cool. What, what's next? I think this one was last year weird in a world that's not. So I tend to gravitate towards authors who are very direct, who, you know, it's no biz speak or anything like that. I have very, I have very little tolerance for that kind of thing. <laughs> so she, this woman, Jen, Jennifer Romolini, tells her story and how she botched things up in her career and how she's learning different things and has a lot of practical advice, but is still a human being. And I think often when it comes to career books, you find some that are very um, either one end of the spectrum or the other. They're either all advice and there's not a human being or they're all story and there's not anything that you can actually take and make actionable. So I think she did a a very solid job 
of, you know, making it okay that you're going to botch something up and that it doesn't end it. And here's how you pivot and find the next thing. Very cool. Very cool. And number three on the Kelly list of top career books. So I would probably say the new rules of work that's by um, Catherine and what is her name? Alex, the, the folks at the muse, they did a book that is broken into pieces. So it's all throughout the course of your career. So some of it is exercises where you gain insight and that kind of thing and, and tactics. And then some of it is a little bit more about once you're in the role, how to success, successfully navigate things and then how to find your next. So I just think that's probably more on the tactical side of things than stories, though they give great examples and drafts and you know email samples that people can use. So I think that one I'm a fan of as well. Yeah, we had, by the way, we had, if you want uh, an additional reference to that, back on episode, uh, I was trying to look it up here really quick, but we had Catherine uh, Minshew on, geez, probably about a year ago or so. You can go ahead and, and Google the new rules of work and happen to your career, and it'll pop right up. Or Google Catherine Minshew, spelled M I N. S-H-E-U, S-H-E-W, and then happened to your career, and it'll pop right up too. But really, um, what they did is they covered a lot very, very broadly, and then gave a lot of good tactics. They didn't necessarily go incredibly deep into every single one. So if you're looking for a really deep guide in one particular area, that's probably not it. If you're looking for a good overview where you can reference different pieces, and you know, pull out a script or pull out something else. Then, then I would say that's a great one for that. I agree. I think that they went very broad, but helpful for sure. Yeah, very cool. Any others on your top career books list? I assure you, I'm not picking people that you've had on the podcast, but I also know that you had <laughs> right uh, the author of How to Be Everything. Yeah, Emily. Emily. Yeah, yeah Emily's yeah. become a good friend over the over the last probably four or five years. I guess it's been. I think I've known her for about five years. But yeah, that that's a, that is a great book, especially for people that are interested in many things or suspect they might be passionate about more than just one thing. Right? What's right. the name of the book? How to be everything. She introduces the concept of multi potentialite, and I've had plenty of scenarios with clients who, even hearing that that's a true thing that it exists and they're not alone, really love that. And her whole story about how you don't have, it's not as though we're not in the ages anymore where you pick one job and that's what you do for the next 20, 30 years. And that's perfectly acceptable. And you can do five different things simultaneously if that's what lights you up. So I think it's the permission. And then she tells her story on how she navigated her career. Yeah. Emily is Phenomenal. She's been on the Happen to Your Career podcast uh, two times now. So she's a repeat guest, in fact. And we had brought her back on when she wrote the book and would absolutely recommend it. She is back in episode 220. So you can go to happentoyourcareer.com slash 220, 220, and then it'll pop right up as well. Any others that you have on your must read books for, for careers? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I think for the career piece, a lot of it ends up being um, autobiographies or biographies can be really valuable too. And yeah. we overlook that sometimes. Yeah. You know, I found the exact same thing too. And as I was thinking about my own personal list and recommendations for careers, 
I, I actually, I didn't put any autobiographies on the list, but I have found those incredibly useful for that same purpose because everybody goes through not the same journey, but the same milestones in the journey. If they're really looking for fulfillment or more purpose or higher impact or career happiness, life happiness, and all the things that go along with it, everybody has to sort of hit the same milestones along the way and have some of the same ahas. It may happen completely different ways, but I found that really very helpful too. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I'm curious if you've read any of these as well. One of the books that I had on here was Drive by Daniel Pink, who we've also had on the podcast actually a while back, but he does such a masterful job pulling together different pieces of data and research and putting it together in a way that is actually useful and entertaining because Mm -hmm. for most of us, reading through research is going to be dry and boring and quite frankly, not all that helpful to pull out You know, a couple of little tiny nuggets that are going to be really useful. So uh, Daniel goes through and he takes all that and puts it into really three particular categories that just make a difference and move the needle in finding where your motivation and purpose and ultimately fulfillment comes from and what are the what are the levers that impact that so if you want to know more about that absolutely put drive on your list another one is and i think several of these would not think about most people would not think about them as career books total money makeover by dave ramsey so most people look at that and go, that's a finance book. However, have you read it, by the way? I, don't know. I have not. Yeah. So here's the thing I found is that your finances are directly linked to your career in many, many different ways. And you and I both know this. Uh, first of all, if you have other goals besides just to work, the amount of finances that you're bringing in from your career, if that is your main source of income have a tendency to influence what you can what you can do in the world and because money's a tool and and in many ways you know most of us have some kind of need for it at a minimum but also for us to accomplish other things money becomes a you know great tool to be able to make that happen and what i found is that if you can create more money for yourself um or you can understand how to how to uh, completely remove what you might owe in terms of debt or other things like that and then make all of your money work for you for lack of a better phrase then it creates additional career options for you it takes away and removes a lot of those situations where people feel like they're stuck in in certain scenarios or feel like I can't leave a job that I hate because I'm making $150,000 and I'm worried about whether or not I'm going to make $150,000 in the next job. And it just eliminates a ton of that. Like If you have a whole bunch of uh, savings and you've done a nice job there and you don't have any debt, you don't owe anybody anything, it just creates two things that I found for myself and in my life and my family's life. One is it creates a whole bunch more options. The second thing is it creates a whole bunch of additional energy that when I had a ton of debt, I didn't realize was being consumed. I didn't realize there was tons of mental bandwidth and creative energy that was being consumed just by having those extra pressures there until it was gone. And then it's like, oh, oh, this is what life can be like. So Total Money Makeover is a really great blueprint to be able to remove any kind of debt and also be able to make those additional options work for you in your life and be able to create savings that all of us know we should do, but don't necessarily know how to do or think it's possible for ourselves. 
Another one. Have you ever read Purple Cow by Seth Godin? I have not. Oh my goodness. I think you would enjoy this. It's a short read. It's a marketing book. It's intended to be a marketing book, but I found it to be so, so, so amazing for careers because it forces you to look at things through a different lens. So the the pretext for it is uh, Seth Godin um, is talking about marketing and products and other things like that, but you could just, every place he says marketing, you could insert your career into it or you know what you do or um, advancement or any anything about your career that you want to accelerate. So he tells the story at the beginning of the book where him and his family were driving through the countryside in the UK. And if you've ever been to the countryside in the, in the UK, especially as you get up you know, more North, it's very, very grassy. There's lots of, lots of cows, lots of sheep and, you know, it's kind of rolling fields in some ways. And at first him and his family were like, Hey, there's a cow. Oh, there's a cow. And then they started seeing just tons and tons of cows. And at some point they are like, yeah, this is okay. We've seen it. We've seen one cow. They all look the same. All right. It's not amazing anymore. It was pretty at first. And he makes the point that that's really what life is like. And also in what marketing is like, or being able to stand out amongst others, uh, you know, everything kind of seems the same after a while. Everything seems sort of vanilla or you know, or, you know, chocolate vanilla type choices in some ways. And he said, you know what, you know what would be really amazing? You know what people would talk about? You know what would, you know, move forward in life would be if we saw a purple cow, that would be something. And so he goes on to be able to showcase how do you actually stand out in a sea of what is normally, you know, vanilla. And I found that to be so incredibly effective for any and all areas of your career, from getting new, getting new jobs to getting promoted within to just about anything you want to do. So all the same concepts, although it's talked about in a marketing uh, framework, are really, really helpful there. Grit. What about this one? Have you read Grit from Angela Duckworth? Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. All right. What did, what did you think? Now, obviously not on your top five, but uh, curious what you thought overall. Oh, it was good. I mean, I think there's a lot, there are similar timeframes, I suppose. There are a lot of people writing about this topic with different takes on it. So I also, you know, like read growth mindset and all those different things. So I feel like I appreciate every individual's slightly different take on it. Yeah. I remember I enjoyed it. I won't tell you that I remember specifics because I don't. (laughs) Okay. So here's why I thought and I don't think you even need to read the whole thing on this one to get the most useful pieces out of it. So the full title, by the way, says it all, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. And she does such a great job helping you to understand what really makes a difference for being able to accomplish things that you want and become grittier, and also what makes a difference in terms of developing passion within your work. A lot of people talk about it, uh, passion in the context of finding passions. I kind of, I kind of hate the word passion in some ways because it gets tossed around and is so loosely used like, ah, if only I could find my passions. And what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Exactly. Exactly. So she breaks down all the scientific evidence around there around passion and how it actually works. And it really is much more of a case of developing passion, not finding it like you go treasure hunting. doesn't work that way. So it puts it together in a way that becomes much more useful if you're reading it for those those purposes. The last one is, there's probably two or three books that could fit in here. Stumbling on Happiness. Have you read that one? 
I have not, but I've probably read. I, so there's so many books on happiness as well that yeah, there are a lot. I'm a out fan there. of. Okay, so the reason I could have subbed a couple of them in here is there are actually a variety of good books on happiness. A lot of them reference the same research, the same studies. Uh, a lot of it all goes back to you know, the founder of um, founder of positive psychology, who his name is Dr. Martin Seligman. And even though they all link back there, a lot of them approach it in completely different ways. So one of my favorite was Stumbling on Happiness, uh, who was by a, a psychologist, Daniel Gilbert. And if you listen to this book, I think it's so much better. It's read by the author, and he has just such a dry, witty, um, ironic sense of humor. And I don't think it comes across as well if you just read the book through the text. But when you listen to him do it, it is a hilarious book on top of being incredibly useful for understanding what makes a difference in our day-to-day lives for happiness. So looking for a book on on understanding career happiness in particular, but also overall happiness, that's that's a great one that I found. Okay. How about non-career books. And then also what, uh, and let's just throw a couple out here. What would you say didn't make the career book list, but you still think deserves an honorable mention just because it's such a, such a great book in one way or another. I intertwine them so much. So it's like near impossible for me to even think about them differently. Well, I know what's coming. didn't make the list. Right. But the part two at wood of handmaid's tale, yeah. It's coming out this year. So I'm excited about that. I think that will be an interesting one. Especially... I'm not familiar with that. What is the. So she, Margaret Atwood's the woman who wrote Handmaid's Tale, which is now the ever extremely popular, I think, award winning Hulu show. Oh, OK. And now, but it's maybe 20 or 30 years after she wrote the first book. Yeah. And now this book is coming out. And dun, dun, dun. right. And in theory, I'm sure it has nothing to do with it's one of those. I'm sure she is a part of the Hulu thing, kind of like Game of Thrones, right? You don't follow one to the other because they're probably quite different from each other. So we'll find out. So I'm excited about that one for sure. All right. Much anticipated then. Mm-hmm. Much anticipated. For me, a couple that hadn't made my career book list, but I would absolutely, uh, absolutely recommend. Number one would be, and a lot of people have read this, but if you haven't, or even if you want to read it a second time, I think would be really useful. Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And a lot of people have heard of like the 10,000 hour rule um, because that was the book that made that statement popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't come from that actually, uh, fun fact, doesn't come from uh, Malcolm Gladwell. It actually comes from the guy who researched it, but Malcolm made it popular through through that book. But it's it's such a great a book for understanding how success happens or can happen. And um, the point that I took away from it was like some of the ways that you can engineer your own success in the areas that you want to, even though that wasn't the entire intention of the book. The other one, I l- absolutely love the uh, Lord of the, I'm a total nerd this way. I love the Lord of the Rings series. And I would always put that as an honorable mention someplace Personally, I actually just reread it with my kids. Oh, which, very cool. Yeah, which I hadn't read it in a while. So we went through the entire series. And then uh, we often won't let them watch the movies of anything until they've read the book uh, for maybe semi-obvious reasons if you if you enjoy reading at all. But um, 
just read that, read that recently. And I didn't realize until going through it, this is probably the third time I've read that series, just how masterful it is in storytelling. And I have found that being able to tell great stories in one way or another is an incredibly useful career thing, but also it just, I don't know, (laughs) probably makes it more enjoyable for you to be around other people too, Mm -hmm. or at least for them from their perspective. So uh, plus is just freaking awesome set of books in general. Um, All right. So those are, those are my list. Anything else that you would add that didn't make the cut any place else that you're just like, Hey, has to be on here would not be complete. Yeah. That's another, it it hasn't existed yet. Ben Folds is coming out with a book. Okay. All right. Tell me about this because I, I love Ben Folds, but I didn't even realize that he was coming out with a book. Well, see, I'm a total nerdy super fan. Um, I think it's September, 2019, but it's his story. So I watched his Google talk recently and he was referencing it. It's his story, but I think what's fascinating about him, he often does VIP things at his shows where you have an ask me anything about music session with him. Um, and I've attended those and I actually walk out with all these notes thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to write about this. Like it's so inspirational. Yeah. And one of the things when I went to the last one was somebody asked him, you know, like he can play the drums, obviously plays the piano, can sing, can write. And how does he identify in terms of his talent and his career? And he said, I I forget exactly. I'm fairly certain it was songwriter first, drummer second, piano third. And I just kept thinking, like, mind blown how everyone in the world sees him as this very talented piano player. And that's third in his own thought process of, you know, what he's meant to be doing. Yeah. Which I just think is really interesting because you just never really know, right? Who else is out there who everyone in the world sees them as X, but for them, it's really about Y. That's interesting. That's super fascinating. I think in some ways that actually ties back to the um, multi-talented, multi-passionate concept that we were talking about earlier with how to be everything in Emily Wapnick's book as well. Huh? Okay. So now I'm excited for this too. (laughs) And on that note, I would encourage you to develop your own list. You can take our recommendations, but quite honestly, this entire episode is about how do you read more for the things that you really want to know about or enjoy or educate yourself on or uh, be entertained by. So Take some of our tips, figure out what's going to work for you, experiment with them, and then take some of our book recommendations. And again, you know, develop your own, go, go beyond that and find the ones that are you're excited about, because I found that more so than just what we've talked about, like finding stuff that you're actually legitimately excited about or looking forward to is probably even more powerful than any of the tips and hacks that we've, we've discussed as well. Absolutely. Kelly, thank you so much for jumping on here and nerding out about books for uh, the last 35, 40 minutes here. I really appreciate it. And you can find everything that we've talked about, including book recommendations, even a few that we'll add to, we have on our list, but we didn't even discuss yet. And some of the ones that we're looking forward to as well, we'll link all of those pieces up, uh, happentoyourcareer.com slash 271. We'll see you all over there. And by the way, we have so much more coming in store for you next week, right here on the Happen to Your Career podcast. Because if you're not willing to, or you're uncomfortable with having that kind of a conversation, then you're never going to have people with whom you can do coaching where it's going to be a business for you. All right. All that and more coming up right here 
on Happen to Your Career next week. And I know we've talked about a ton of books. And if you love to read, I've got one other thing that would be really incredibly valuable for you to read too. If you're ready to create and live a life that really is unapologetically you and live more in in your strengths and spend more of your time working in your strengths, check out our ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. Find your signature strengths to do what you love and what you're great at and how you can bring value to the rest of the world and your organizations that you're working with. You can do it two different ways. We make it super easy on you. One, you can just text us. Text my strengths, that's M Y strengths, plural, to 44222. 44222. Or you can visit hired We'll see you over there. All right. Until next week, I am out. Adios. 